Alright, welcome back. This is part two of my last episode. So if you're here before listening to episode 13, where I'm doing my March Madness review, go back to that, listen to that first, and then come back here. Where we left off in the last episode was in the Midwest region. So for the Midwest region, we have our first matchup, Illinois versus Drexel. Let's get right into it. Uh, Illinois versus Drexel, I had Illinois winning this matchup, and that is what happened. They had a really great game defensively and offensively, scoring 78 points while limiting Drexel to only 49. The Drexel Dragons really could not get much going, shooting only 31% from the field versus uh, Illinois' 57%. Uh, for Drexel, only two guys were in double figures. That would be Butler and Bell, uh, having 10 and 12 respectively. But for the um, Illinois team, their two star players in Kofi Coburn and Ayo Desuma uh, had really great games. Coburn had 18 points, while Desuma had 17 to go along with 11 rebounds and 6 assists. Both of these guys showed that they're really great uh, players for this Illinois team and showed what made this team dangerous. Next, we had Loyola Chicago versus Georgia Tech. In this game, I picked Loyola Chicago, and they did end up winning this game. Uh, it was a pretty close matchup beforehand, but once the game started, the Ramblers showed that they were definitely the team with the upper hand, uh, winning 71-60. to 60. In this game, Loyola hit 41% of their threes, which helped them in this winning effort. For the Georgia Tech team, Usher had 15 points, DeVoe had 14, and then Jose Alvarado had 13 points. These were the main players in the losing effort for Georgia Tech, but... Um, Unfortunately, guys like Williamson and Norris for Chicago poured in the points, 21 and 16 respectively, and then Cameron Crutwig had 10 points, 5 rebounds as well. So uh, Loyal Chicago had a pretty convincing win in round 1 to set up a matchup versus Illinois. Moving on, we had Tennessee versus Oregon State. In this matchup, I had picked Tennessee, but Oregon State actually came ahead 76, uh, 70 to 56. In this game, Oregon State could really do no wrong. They were looking really, really strong defensively uh, as they out-rebounded the Tennessee Volunteers 40-33 while also getting 6 blocks and 5 steals. Overall, they shot much better on 3-pointers, hitting 48% of their 3s than Tennessee's 19%. Uh, this was a pretty rounded, well-rounded matchup for the team. Uh, Silva made 16 points. Um, he's really uh, a guy that showed out in this tournament. He wasn't really a big name before, but just because of his size, he came through and he scored 16 points. Ethan Thompson, probably the best player for this Beavers team, had 13 points in this game. And those are the guys that really helped for this win. For uh, Tennessee, the biggest guy, Keldon Johnson, he had 14 points, but it really wasn't enough as the rest of the team was not too great of a supporting cast to score more than 56 points. Next, we have Oklahoma State versus Liberty. Oklahoma State and Liberty, both pretty well-known offensive teams. And um, in the end, the Cowboys came out on top 69-60 to over Liberty. In this game, Cuffey was the best player for Liberty, the guard forward. He had 16 points on four three-pointers. But the main guys for the Cowboys showed out. Uh, we had... Cade Cunningham, the number one prospect in this 2021 season for the NBA, he had 15 points. And Anderson was really the best player on the team, having 21 buckets to go along with 7 rebounds. 
that was enough to get OSU the win and to set up a matchup against Oregon State. So, for the second round, we had Illinois versus Loyola Chicago. In this game, I had predicted Illinois, but Loyola Chicago actually showed out in this game, winning 71-58. to This was also another bracket-busting type game, and Loyola was on top of their game the whole night. A really well team defensive effort uh, to go along with a really great offensive performance, shooting 40% from three. Uh, the best players on this Loyola Chicago team, uh, definitely Cameron Krutwig would be the leader here. He had 19 points, 12 rebounds, and 5 assists. But in the end, he had some clutch steals, which contributed to his 4 steals overall. Uh, he just had a really excellent game all around in every single aspect. Um, Illinois, the most disappointing player for their team would be Ayodesuma, scoring only 9 points on pretty bad numbers in terms of percentage. And then Kofi Coburn did all he could down low, uh, scoring 21 points and having 9 rebounds. It was really a battle of the bigs, but eventually Chicago's supporting crew was able to pull ahead. And uh, yeah, that put them through to the Sweet 16, which is a crazy matchup. And then next side of the bracket, we had um, Oklahoma State versus Oregon State. In this game, I actually had Oklahoma State winning. Uh, you know, just Kate Cunningham, an amazing offensive player. But Oregon State, again, one of those underrated team defensive uh, teams just showed out. Um, they were not able to get too much going on offense. Uh, neither team was, you know, 41% from the field for Oregon State and 30% from three. But the Cowboys definitely had it worse. They were only able to do 27% uh, from the field and 27% from three. The biggest part of this game was free throws, you know. Uh, 35 free throws for the Beavers and 38 free throws for the Cowboys is just unreal numbers. The Cowboys were able to put in just 26 out of their 38 free throws, putting them at 68%, while Beavers took advantage of this. Oregon State had 32 out of their 35 free throws go in, and that was really the difference maker in this game. Overall, for players, Ethan Thompson, again, the best player for Oregon State, had 26 points, and... Um, for this Oklahoma State team in a losing effort, Cade Cunningham, their star player, had 24 points on four three-pointers. But eventually, it just wasn't enough for this Cowboys team to win. That sets up a matchup between Loyola Chicago and Oregon State in the Sweet 16. And um, here, I actually had Illinois winning. I assumed that they would make it here, but they did not. And that set up a matchup between Loyola Chicago and Oregon State. Uh, in this game, Oregon State showed up and showed out, especially defensively, holding the Rambles to just 58 while putting in 65 points themselves. Overall, they shot much better. They shot 39% from three versus Loyola's 21%. Uh, in past games, Loyola showed that they were capable of shooting over 40% from three, but that was not the case here. Overall, Ethan Thompson yet again had an excellent game, scoring 22 points. It's his third 20-point game. And then uh, in a losing effort, Cameron Krutwig, 14 points, 10 rebounds, 4 assists. Did all he could, but eventually the Ramblers' luck ran out. Sister Jean's luck ran out. Moving on, we go to San Diego State versus Syracuse. This game, I had San Diego State winning. Uh, they were one of my picks to be an underrated team, but unfortunately the coaching of Jim Beheim was just too elite here, getting a pretty significant win, 78-62. to Overall, the Syracuse Orange just looked much, much ahead 
of the asset, just one step ahead every single part of the game, especially in their defensive concept. Their zone was just too hard for the Aztecs to get past. And because of that, uh, the Aztecs only shot 28% from three, while the Syracuse Orange made 56% of their attempts. Best player on this team was definitely Buddy Beheim, the coach's son. He put in 30 points on seven three-pointers made. For the San Diego State team, Mitchell and Shackle were definitely the best players in a losing effort, both scoring 17. But overall, the team could not get much going offensively, especially in the first half where they went down big. In the next matchup, we have West Virginia Mountaineers versus the Moorhead State Eagles. This game I projected West Virginia to win, and that's exactly what they did. Both teams played pretty well offensively, scoring above, uh, shooting above 50% from the field and from three. But uh, in the end, the difference maker was definitely turnovers. The Eagles had 18 turnovers to the West Virginia Mountaineers 6. And when you have that, much, that big of a turnover difference, it's really hard to, to win games. The guard combo of Cooper and Potter for the Moorhead State team definitely uh, helped, scoring 21 and 18 respectively. But overall, uh, just too many turnovers from the both of them and the rest of the team. Uh, Caught up to them. Matthew McBride, the best player on that West Virginia team, scored 30 points in a, in a winning effort, and that's all it took to get past this Eagles team. And that set up a matchup between Syracuse and West Virginia in the second round. Moving further, we have the Clemson versus Rutgers matchup. In this game, I had actually picked Rutgers to win, and that is what happened in a very close outing. A pretty defensive game, you know, neither team could shoot too well. Uh, Rutgers shooting 40% from the field, and Clemson shooting 36% from the field. For Rutgers, we had guys like Baker and Young help out, along with McConnell. All three of those guys scored 13 points, and they were really the guys that made the difference in the end, you know, hitting some clutch threes. But uh, for the Clemson team, Sims, the big man, along with Chris Trapp, those were the best guys for the Clemson team. But unfortunately... The Tigers could not do much against the Scarlet Knights, and this Rutgers team moved on. It was definitely one of the closer matchups, you know. In half my brackets, I had Clemson winning, and the other half I had Rutgers. And um, in the bracket that I picked for this, my main bracket, uh, actually had Rutgers winning, so this was a great win for me. Finally, we have Houston, the two-seed, versus Cleveland State Vikings uh, as our last first-round matchup for this Midwest region. Houston showed that they are one of the very dangerous teams in this tournament as they beat the Vikings 87-56, to overall showing a really great performance. The Houston team really took over with their guards. Uh, they had Quentin Grimes scoring 18 points, along with Matt Sassers, um, 14. And then off the bench, we had Mark, the bench guard, coming in and scoring 15 points. Overall, this was a really great game for the Houston Cougars, especially after losing Giroux, their main defensive guard, to injury, and um, they, they showed great resilience without having him. And then for the Cleveland State team, overall, just a really bad game. Hodge was the only guy to score double figures. He had 11, but other than that, uh, yeah, the Vikings got embarrassed by the Houston Cougars. Now, for the second round here, we have Syracuse versus West Virginia in the first matchup. I had San Diego State being here and winning here. That was not the case. Um, 
in this game, Syracuse actually beat West Virginia in a very, very great game that came down to the end, 75-72. to In this game, both teams hit their three-pointers. The Syracuse team had 45%, while the Mountaineers hit 42%. Overall, Buddy Beheim had another excellent game with 25 points, and uh, Dolisai had 12 in support of him. For the West Virginia team, Shane McNeil had 23 points, pouring in seven three-pointers. He was by far the best player for the team, but overall not too much support from the rest of the guys. And because of that, the Syracuse Orange came out ahead. That zone definitely showed out again. They, they showed that that zone is a concept that definitely works in big tournaments like this. In the next second round matchup, we have Houston versus Rutgers. In this game, I had Houston winning. That is exactly what happened. Uh, the game actually ended up being very close as the Scarlet Knights just lost. Uh, Houston had 63, the Scarlet Knights had 60, and uh, the Rutgers team actually had a really great game. Shooting-wise, they had 43%, uh, 44% of their three-pointers go in, but overall it wasn't enough as the Houston team grabbed more rebounds and had uh, forced more turnovers. That was really the difference maker. For the Rutgers team, Baker was probably the best player, scoring 14 points. And for the Houston team, yet again, Quentin Grimes, their best player, dropped in uh, on five three-pointers. And then uh, Giroux, coming back from injury, he scored 17 points as well in that winning effort. Moving on, we have a Sweet 16 matchup between Houston and Syracuse. I had picked Houston in this matchup, and uh, that is exactly what they did. They won. Syracuse had an awful, awful, awful game offensively, scoring the least points of the tournament, only 46%. They shot 28% overall from the field, 22% from three, while also having 11 turnovers. Overall, this Houston team showed great discipline. Buddy Beheim kept them to only 12 points, along with Gerard uh, keeping him to just 12 as well. Dolezal, one of the guys that showed out in the last game, he was only able to score two points, shooting inefficiently from the field. For this Houston team, pretty well-rounded performance. Marcus Sasser had 12 points, Quentin Grimes had 14, Gorham had 13, and then Jerome had 9. So going along with 8 rebounds and 8 assists, the near triple-double. This Houston team, yet again, showing that they're a force to be reckoned with and making it to the Elite 8 to set up a matchup with the Oregon State Beavers. In this game against the Beavers, the Houston Cougars uh, won Pretty, uh, pretty narrow game. It was uh, definitely interesting right towards the end, and uh, Houston pulled out in the pulled out ahead in the end. Overall, the score was 67 to 61. And the thing that probably brought Houston out on top would be their rebounding. You know, they showed great hustle, especially guys like Rick Cheney. Uh, so they had 38 rebounds, uh, 18 of them being offensive rebounds, and that gave them an 11 uh, rebound gap. 11 rebound margin in terms of overall rebounds and offensive rebounds and that's just too high of a number to allow. Uh, Kalu was the best player for this um, Beavers team scoring 13 points and then Ethan Thompson saw the wrath of Giroux who locked him up for just 11 points. Overall like I said Rick Cheney showed great hustle but the main scorers would be Marcus Sasser scoring 20 on 5 three-pointers and then Quentin Grimes scoring 18 on 4 three-pointers. Grimes has shown his consistency up until this point and in this game and he's definitely going to be a big factor 
in this final four game that they have. So now we have reached the final four. In the final four on the left side of the bracket, we have a matchup between Gonzaga and UCLA. I had predicted Gonzaga and Texas, but Texas unfortunately losing early on. That was a possibility that left quickly. On the right side of the final four, we have Baylor versus Houston, which is actually the final four that I predicted. So there was uh, three out of four of my final four predictions were correct, which is pretty good. Um, I would have hoped that Texas could have made it at least a little bit further in the bracket, but you know, it's March Madness. Teams get upset early. I know a lot of people had the Ohio State Buckeyes go to the final four as well, and they also lost in the first round. So there's a lot of variance in this tournament and just in past tournaments. That's just Mar March Madness. That's just how it is. So to hit on three out of four of these, I'm, uh, I'm pretty proud of myself. Moving on to our first Final Four matchup, we have Gonzaga versus UCLA, and this was probably the craziest game of the tournament. You know, we have a 1 seed versus an 11 seed in the Final Four game, so that, first of all, was crazy, but then we had this game go all the way into overtime. Um, overall, it was just an amazing game to watch. You know, I watched this game live, and Gonzaga came out on top 93-90. to Very high-scoring game, a game that went into overtime because of some very clutch play at the end. And, um, yeah, UCLA kept it very close by hitting their three-pointers. They hit 47% of their threes. And uh, also, the rebounding advantage was something that worked in their favor, grabbing 31 rebounds to Gonzaga's 23. Overall, Gonzaga showed great temperament and showed why they are one of the better teams in the league. Uh, UCLA, Johnny Juzang, in a losing effort, scored 29 points. A really great performance overall for him. Uh, Jaime Jaquez had 19 points. To go along with Tiger Campbell, 17. All of these guys played really well. Uh, and then the fourth starter, the power forward, or actually the center in this case. He's a, he's a power forward, but he, in the small ball lineup, he played center. Uh, Cody Riley had 14 points, 10 rebounds. He showed great hustle, great effort out there. And then Jules Bernard, the last starter of the group, was probably the biggest factor in this loss for the uh, Bruins. You know, he really could not make his shots in this game and picked up some fouls pretty early forcing some bench players to go into the game and you know uh, this UCLA team does not play very deep rotations and they would have liked for all their starters to be in the game. Jules Bernard being a six foot five guard he provides size on a pretty undersized lineup as they have four guards on this team. Uh, regardless uh, the rest of the other four players played pretty well it just wasn't enough as this Gonzaga team really showed out. Joel Ayayi had 22 points, Corey Kispert with 15, Jalen Suggs 16 points, and then Drew Timmy, pick of all the players, had 25 points. Uh, Drew Timmy really just showed that when you don't have a guy that can match up with him fully, then there's going to be problems. You know, Cody Riley, he held his own for a good bit of the game, but overall, Drew Timmy's size and his skills uh, proved to be too difficult to get past. And because of that, Gonzaga won in overtime. And the last sequence of plays is something that was that was legendary, something that will be remembered forever. Johnny Juzang goes into the paint, pump fake, steps through, and hits a layup. And after that, you know, three seconds left, two seconds left, and uh, you, you really think that it's going to go to a second overtime. But Jalen Suggs catches the ball with momentum. He runs up the court from in between half court and the three-point line. He banks in a three, and then crowd goes crazy, the team goes crazy, and the entire sports world was just shocked. And it was a really great win for Gonzaga in an amazing fashion. The next 
final four matchup to see who matches up against Gonzaga in this championship game is Baylor versus Houston. I would like to say I did pick Gonzaga to win this final four game, so I was happy that this pick was correct, but of course, I would love to see uh, an upset in this tournament. You know, as we have seen many already, what's what's another one, you know? Always rooting for the underdog. It's, a, it's always a fun concept to see, you know? A team that has all the odds stacked against them play really well when it matters. Uh, UCLA did that for many games, and then... Unfortunately, their their luck ran out in this Final Four game. Now we have Baylor versus Houston. In this game, I predicted Baylor to win, which is what they did in convincing fashion. Baylor scored 78 points to the Houston Cougars 59, and overall, they were just great everywhere or along the court. You know, hitting 46% of their threes while also limiting Houston in their offense to just 38% from the field and 32% from three. Uh, the best player for Houston would definitely be Marcus Sasser, scoring 20 points and hitting five three-pointers. Quentin Grimes couldn't really get it going, hit 13 points, but uh, his field goal shooting was pretty bad. Uh, shot a lot, didn't make a lot, and that's not a good formula for success. For the Baylor offense, we had a lot of guys in double figures, five to be exact. Jared Butler, 17 points on four three-pointers. Davion Mitchell, 12 points on three three-pointers. Uh, to go along with his 11 assists, and then Marco T with 11 points. Off the bench, we had Matthew Meyer hit 12 of his points, get 12 points, and then uh, Jonathan Tichama Tichua, uh, it's a difficult name to say, I think I said that correctly, Jonathan Tichama Tichua, uh, he had 11 points to go along with 6 rebounds. Um, overall, a really great team performance, you know, that three-headed duo in guards of Butler, Mitchell, and Teague, uh, they all showed out, you know, combining for 30 point, 40 points, and then uh, off the bench, when you get high energy guys like Chua, he picked up a lot of rebounds, you know, four offensive rebounds, two defensive rebounds, just really great numbers, and then Matthew Meyer being that kind of do-everything kind of guy, you know, he comes in off the bench, he can guard the other team's players, he's pretty big, he offers rebounding, and then at his height, he's a pretty good passer, so the, that group of players uh, beat Houston 78-59 in very convincing fashion. And uh, originally, before this, I would say a matchup between Gonzaga and Baylor would have Baylor as a heavy favorite. But because of this uh, pretty convincing win by Houston, it, w it looked like a very even matchup between Gonzaga and Baylor. Uh, regardless, ba uh, Gonzaga actually had the advantage here. They were a 4.5 favorite. 4.5 point favorite uh, but you know in my bracket I had picked Baylor and then um, in my group for this game uh, I had a group that I was in that was kind of basically seeing which team would win this uh, we each made our brackets we each submitted our brackets and we were picking every single game so overall it came down to which team would win if Baylor won then I would win the uh, the money we had a cash prize in there you know everyone put in uh, $5 per bracket, and overall the winner would get 130 bucks. so I was really hoping for that, but if Gonzaga win, Gonzaga won, then I would lose, I would, I would walk away with no money, and then I was pretty scared because Gonzaga throughout the tournament, they've shown that they're really strong, but that really close game against UCLA, and Baylor's really strong performance against Houston, it, it brought me a little bit, brought me a little bit more confidence than I would have had, 
in this game, the Baylor Bears, they really came through firing from the, from the get-go. You know, overall hitting on 44% of their three-pointers. At the beginning, they showed that they're a really great three-point shooting team coming out to an early lead. Um, especially in the rebounding game, Baylor showed great hustle and great tenacity. They had 34 rebounds to Gonzaga's 17, and the biggest number here, 14 offensive rebounds versus Gonzaga's 1. They took care on the defensive rebounds and not let Gonzaga get second chances after their misses, and then turn around, get down the court. If you miss a shot, you got a guy there to scoop it up and score. And that was really just the difference in this game. Their three-headed guard combo for, uh, for the Baylor Bears showed out again. Jared Butler, 22 points, four three-pointers. Damian Mitchell, 15 points, six rebounds, five assists. And then Marco Etique, 19 points. All three of these guys played excellently. And then uh, for rebounding, guys like Flo Thamba and Mark Vidal had excellent games. I think Mark Vidal in specific. Mark Vidal had 11 rebounds, eight of them being offensive rebounds. So he converted that into points and more opportunities. And then Flo Thamba, he grabbed... Um, Six rebounds, three of them offensive, three of them defensive. So overall, just a really great game from those starters. Uh, in the losing effort, Jalen Suggs did as much as he could, pouring in 22 points. But um, Corey Kispert could not really get it going, having only 12 points. And then Drew Timmy, really great defense played on him. Timmy was only able to get 12 points here and got into a little bit of foul trouble uh, in the middle of the game. And because of that, the Baylor Bears ended up winning this game, and overall, Baylor showed that they're were, they were a really great team. From the get-go, it was thought to be uh, Baylor and Gonzaga destiny because at the start of the season, they had a matchup that was supposed to be between both of them. They were both number one ranked teams coming in, and then in December, that game got canceled due to COVID. So seeing this matchup here again in the March Madness Final, was a really great thing to see, as the basketball world had been waiting to see this one. Baylor was the number three most popular pick to win the championship after uh, Gonzaga, which was in first, and then Illinois that was in second. Illinois, after the early loss, uh, put Baylor and Gonzaga as the favorites to win this, uh, to win their respective conferences, and then to come into the championship game. And then overall, despite being the underdogs in this championship game, Baylor really showed out. And uh, Baylor won me some money, so that was really great to see. With that money, uh, I bought I bought some shoes, so that was a really great dub. I thank Baylor for that a lot. Uh, you know, Baylor, they have a new fan in me because I bet on them when not too many other people would. And uh, they, they came through for me. They got me the dub. You know, in my bracket, we had, we had 30 different brackets. We had 90% of these be Gonzaga or Baylor. I mean, uh, Gonzaga or Illinois. Those are pretty even split. Gonzaga, we had 15. Illinois, we had 12. And then we had two Baylor brackets. One of them was me. One of them was my other friend. He ended up winning second place, which came with a decent cash prize. Um, but overall, in the earlier rounds, some of that research that I was doing really came through clutch as uh, it made the difference. And I beat him by eight points. And then... Uh, yeah, overall, really, really great win for Baylor. Really showed that they're capable of being one of the better teams. Uh, and I think coming back next season, they're also going to be at the top of their game. Overall, 2021 March Madness, I think it was really 
exciting tournament, especially after having a year without one. Um, it's exactly what you'd expect, you know, early upsets. Teams like Texas and Ohio State lost in the first round. Teams like Illinois lost in the second round. And um, you had some really great Cinderella stories. You had 11-seed UCLA, 15-seed Oral Roberts, 12-seed Oregon State. Overall, just a really amazing tournament, and it reminded everyone what the fun of March Madness is. Definitely looking forward to next season. Uh, you know, my team in Michigan is looking very strong. They had a really great recruiting class here, uh, some nice transfers that came onto the team. And because of that, I'm pretty confident in Michigan's ability to get far in this March Madness tournament. Definitely, definitely, definitely an amazing tournament, like I said. And uh, something interesting that I saw uh, was from my last prediction episode. And um, I think I'm going to add that clip here because uh, I was just talking about before the season, uh, before this tournament, actually, uh, my thoughts about this Baylor and Gonzaga matchup because that is the matchup that I predicted. And um, eventually it did end up happening. So it was cool to see how I interpreted the game, what I thought would happen uh, versus what actually did happen. And it was cool to see how it kind of aligned, how... So my predictions were right, and uh, overall, just to see the difference that a couple of a couple of weeks made on these uh, on these teams and on these predictions. So yeah, here is the clip real quick that I'll add from my first podcast. And this sets up the game that everyone wants to see, has been wanting to see since the start of the season. Uh, Gonzaga versus Baylor. Gonzaga versus Baylor is a game that got canceled early on in the season because of uh, COVID reasons, which. All basketball fans were beat up about this. They really wanted to see this matchup, and I was one of them. I thought this would be an excellent game. Coming into the season, they were two of the highest-ranked teams, and still, they are two of the highest-ranked teams, both one seeds. I think they meet up here. Gonzaga is the most popular pick this season, March Madness, to be the championship winner. That's the, that's the fact. That's the statistic. But I think Baylor takes it. Baylor has the third-highest odds of winning in Given uh, uh, fan picks and also uh, betting odds, they're, they're the third favorite. I think Baylor wins this game because their guard play is is on another level. If uh, you, you stick Jalen Suggs on a guy like Davion Mitchell, then Teague and Jared Butler are going to gonna ball out. If you put one guy on another guy, the other two are going to ball out. That's just, that's just how it is. And... Um, Gonzaga overall has a good defensive scheme, but I think uh, the zone that they drop to won't work because Baylor hits over 40% of their threes as a team. And because of that, I think Baylor is going to have too much offense to handle for Gonzaga. They're definitely going to run into problems with Drew Timmy, but um, I think offensively they can do enough to stay ahead of Timmy and ahead of Gonzaga in order to win this national championship. And... uh, yeah, and a lot of my other brackets, I picked Gonzaga, but I think in this bracket, I picked Baylor. This is the bracket that I'm most confident with. I picked Baylor just because Gonzaga, in previous years, they've had really great regular seasons, but that's because of their competition. When they come to the actual tournament, they, they struggle a little bit against some of these better teams, and I think it's going to be the case with Gonzaga here against Baylor. Definitely would not be surprised if Gonzaga pulls off this win. But I think Baylor is, just has a slight advantage ahead of Baylor, and I, I gave them the win. Um, regardless, should be an excellent game and a really great tournament. But yeah, Baylor is my pick right here. And um, I put I put my tiebreaker, 82-75 to 75 right here, Baylor winning. 
in case that's needed. But um, yeah, basically projecting a lot of points to be scored here. And uh, yeah, just honestly, really, really, really looking forward to this tournament after missing a year. Uh, got a betting, got a betting uh, tournament with my friends. I'm gonna see if I can come out on top. Should be really fun. And um, yeah, I wish y'all all luck in your March Madness brackets. So as you heard there, that was me uh, just like about a week before the tournament started, uh, before I really knew anything that was going to happen. And it was cool to see that, um, you know, I was excited about the tournament coming back after a year and uh, the tournament really came through. It, it definitely lived up to all the hype, all the expectations. And then it was also crazy to see that I was talking about how I picked Baylor, how I really wanted Baylor to win, to get uh, to win my group, my friend groups kind of cash prize our, our little tournament and uh, that ended up happening as well so it was really cool to see how um my predictions ended up coming true and how i won uh in the end if you were wondering my bracket had 141 points so um overall given that the year was a little bit tough uh just to have just to have like a, a really great bracket because of those upset early upsets i think 141 is pretty good and that ranked uh 6 000 in this uh March Madness, NCAA March Madness Bracket Challenge. Uh, we weren't using ESPN, we were using the March Madness Live app. So in that, it ranked uh, 6,000 out of, you know, over a million brackets. So I think that was a pretty great thing to see. And I'm really glad that Baylor came through for the win. But uh, yeah, overall, I wanted to thank you all for listening to this. And um, yeah, uh, just let me know what else I should talk about. Any other March Madness predictions? And uh, yeah, thank you guys for listening and peace out.